Welcome to the podcast from heartache to healing and hope. Season two, weathering the storm, cultivating kindness. And I'm your host, Bernadette Wintersbell. Welcome to my podcast, From Heartache to Healing and Hope, and I'm Bernadette Winters-Bell, and way do you see the special guest I have for you today. I'm introducing, well, I'm introducing you to Robert Channing, and welcome to the podcast, Robert. Oh, thanks, Bernadette, for having me on here today. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. So, of the two of us, I'm going to guesstimate that you know yourself the best of both of us, so if you'd be so kind as to introduce yourself to my audience. Sure, sure. My name's Robert Channing. I'm known as the world's foremost mind reader and supernatural entertainer, as well as speed painter to the stars. Um, uh, I've been performing since I was 12 years old. I'm 53. And I go all over the world performing for corporations, colleges, fundraisers. And uh, I've been from from here to uh, France, to Italy, to anywhere you can imagine performing. And it's so great to be here today. Uh, can I give you a quick example whenever you're ready to what I can do for you? Please. A little experiment? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to write a little prediction right here on my pad of just a, a, a number that I want you to think of. Now, this is the first time we're meeting. Is this correct? Absolutely. We've never met before. And uh, here's the pencil. Okay. We never met. Once we never spoke. This is our first contact. Perfect. So let's see if our minds work together. I want you to think of a number between one and a hundred. Mm -hmm. Got it. I'm going to write a little prediction right here on my pad. Okay. Here it goes. I may or may not get this correct. Pencil is dropped. Right now, Bernadette, what is the number you're thinking? 15. Now, if I, if I had 18 down here, would you be amazed? Probably not. But if I had 15, which is right here, there we go. Excellent. We, we did all right together, right? <laughs> all right. The channels are open. Very good. Excellent. Well, that's just a little taste of what I do. But um, yeah, I also do motivational speaking. I have a book that came out. It's called The Art of Split Second Success, How to Act Fast and Create Positive Results Now. And I travel all over the world. So I just want to say thank you. I'm from New Hartford, New York, near Utica, New York, upstate New York. And uh, I'm married with four children and been married for 25 years last Tuesday. Don't ah. call me on Tuesday. Congratulations. <laughs> Happy anniversary. <laughs> Thank so you. Utica. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so far from us here in Oneonta. Wonderful. So let's go back. You said you started when you were 12? 12 years old. I, I started as a, I used to walk to school. I actually have been performing since I was five. Mm. Um, I live in a little dinky town called Newport, New York, near Poland, Middleville, Herkimer, New York. Okay. And we have one blinking light in our town. And I used to walk to school in the morning. And a minister who used to do magic in his sermon would used to show us a couple magic tricks. And I went to school that day. And the teacher said, well, what do you want? You have to write a little uh, essay on what you want to be when you grow up. And I had no idea. And I saw the magician. I go, I want to be a magician. So I started doing magic when I was five. And, um, and I learned and I studied with David Copperfield and Harry Blackstone Jr. And any of these people you see on TV that do magic are friends. 
And then I severed my tendons when I was 17. And they told me I would never be able to use this hand anymore. Were so you when, mad, did you do that, uh, sever the tendons when you were doing magic? No, actually I had an accident and uh, I was running and I ran through a, a glass window and I put my hand first. I was trying to stop myself and crashed down on it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So at that point I couldn't do any more dexterity work. And uh, I got into something called mentalism, which is a form of mind reading magic. It's, a, it's an entertainment purposes only. It's not like psychic uh, voodoo or something like that. It's just for entertainment. And um, so I got into doing that. And <coughs> I have an allergy problem. So if I, I cough a little bit, I apologize. It's that time not of the year. Not a problem. We're, we're all there. <laughs> so that's my story. And I just got into mentalism. And I started performing through college and high school and college. And I worked on farms when I was younger, piled wood, split wood. And then uh, when I was in high, uh, college, I was making $75 a show. And I was going to be a chiropractor, uh, a car salesman, believe it or not, I love cars, or what I'm doing now, a magician or mentalist. So I decided to do that. That's what my passion was. And that's taken me all over the world. Isn't that amazing? So that you get inspired when you're five. And it's like somebody saying to a little boy at five, well, I want to be a fireman and an astronaut. And, you know, we have all of those kinds of things. Um, but look how it's developed and uh, turned out for you. And then when you had something that the universe said, um, so sorry, we're going to make you a turn. You said, okay, no problem. Let me go find something else. Sure, you know, sure. yeah, sure. in the same field, but different, you know. Yep. Um, amazing. So have you always been able to make a living doing all these interesting things? You know, um, the answer is up until I went to one year of college, Herkimer Community College, uh, yes. called it Harvard on the Hill, Harvard on the Hill. And I wrote my business plan. I, I, I did business. Uh, I actually majored in entrepreneurial business, wrote my business plan and decided to implement it instead of spending the next three or four or five years in college. So at that point, <clears throat> my first year, I made 3,500 bucks. I lived at home. The second year, my mother, had, my mother had a class reunion in Middleville, New York. And I they asked me to perform for it. So I did. And I performed. And there was a gentleman that saw me perform that owned a, or actually was a manager at a hotel in LaGuardia Airport. It was the Holiday Inn Crown Plaza. Oh. He, he wanted me to perform <clears throat> three shows a night for two nights in a row, Friday and Saturday night. So he offered me $350 and I had to drive down there and I had to go and do a show, three shows a night in New York City. I've never been there in my life. I bought a car and, and I only had a three month contract. So I bought a car and I drove down and I got lost the first time on my way down. I went to, to J, uh, where did I go? JFK? No, I didn't go to JFK, I went to, um, excuse me, New Jersey. What is that called over there? Oh, Newark. Newark Airport. So I pulled in the... the, the so starving. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so I drove across the George Washington Bridge about twice or three times trying to figure out how... I'm, but I made it there and I made it on time. I did my three shows and it was during happy hour where everyone was drinking. So I cut my teeth doing the shows there. And um, from that point forward, it just snowballed and I got into the college market and then the corporate market. Love it. Uh, that was, I read a lot of motivational books. Um, Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I used to listen to that audio tape in my car probably 2,000 times. 
and uh, wrote my goals down and uh, implemented them. And that was it. I just got lucky. God, I, I, I'm, you know, God helped me in every way he could. And uh, here I am. <laughs> well, here's what I've learned that luck is, is being prepared when you meet the opportunity. You know, luck, I don't believe just happens like, ooh, I'm lucky. <laughs> you know? So, okay, you did a wonderful job of taking us right up to about February or March of 2020. Mm-hmm. And the pandemic hit. So then what happens? <clears throat> well, all my life, uh, well, all my life, most all my life, from 22 years old, I was uh, actually 19 years old. I was laying on my couch as well, making $75 a show, doing magic shows for birthday parties for kids. Mm. And um, <clears throat> I was going to college as well. And I was, you know, piling wood and working on the farm and figuring out how I'm going to make it. So I used to stay up at night, couldn't sleep, figuring out what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I couldn't even afford hardly to buy my, uh, at the time, a girl I was dating uh, a hamburger, you know, because the money wasn't there. Forget the fries to go with it. You got- <laughs> What's that? Forget the fries that go with the burger. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. But I was watching an infomercial on uh, real estate, how to retire in real estate a millionaire. So I saved all my money, which was like $200 for the info. I saved all the money I had because it, it really wrapped, it really got to me. And I said, okay, I bought it. I read it. How to buy money or how to buy real estate with no money down. All this stuff you see on TV. Yes. yes. And my neighbor had a house for sale next door. And um, I asked him, I learned how to buy, to offer somebody uh, no money down. I said, listen, can you hold the mortgage for me? I'll give you 10% down, which I didn't have. And um, I was trying to figure it out as I went. And he said, yes, he would. And then my father was into antiques. He said, uh, you know, he said, Robert, he goes inside the house or a bunch of antiques. Tell him you want to buy the whole house with all the antiques. And then we'll sell the antiques and that'll be your down payment. So that's what I did. My house was $33,000 at the time. I sold the antiques for like 3,600. And I had a little bit more that I put down. And then I... uh, so long story short, what did I do in the pandemic? I've been buying real estate and renting it out and buying and selling since I was 22 years old. So that was my hobby. And then it became what I, what I was living off of. Um, I bought a big, a big uh, uh, bar and restaurant up in Sylvan Beach, New York, mm-hmm. Oneida Lake, it's called, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Now, I've been buying real estate for years. This was the biggest project. It was 20,000 square feet. It hadn't been used for three years. I purchased it, not knowing what I wanted to do with it yet, but I knew it was a good deal and where it was. So make a long story short, I turned it into a wedding facility. I leased it out. We made a lot of money doing it. And then I sold it because the United Oneida Indian Nation wanted to purchase it. Mm. And so they gave me uh, a lot of money for it. And then I took that money and invested into real estate. And then we had the COVID hit. And I was lucky that I got out of everything because I paid all my debt off. Beautiful. And I had, um, <clears throat> I had some uh, real estate that I purchased that I lived off the rents. So that's what I've been living off of and uh, since probably a year and four months. And that's got me by with just a little extra to have, uh, you know, a hamburger. <laughs> but no fries yet? <laughs> yeah, I fry. yeah, I threw the fries. They throw them in now. <laughs> Okay, fries, maybe you can have milkshake, right? So the planning that you had for many years ago is what brought you to that place to be able to do that. And personally, how was the pandemic for you? Um, 
Well, to be honest with you, I was, uh, I was kind of for myself, you're asking for myself. I had two heart attacks last year. So, uh, in the middle of that, the pandemic hit, well, prior to that, I had, I had it in July of last year, July 9th to be exact, almost a year next week. Yeah, or two we're weeks. coming up on it, yeah. yeah. So, um, that gave, it, it woke me up, put it that way. I was dead twice on the table. They brought me back. They put two stents in my heart the first time. I was 98% blocked on one artery and 97 on another. And um, so, I went to the hospital and uh, they died, I died on the table. They brought me back. They gave me two stents, sent me home three or four days later. I had another heart attack, brought me back. They put 10 more stents in. And then um, I went to, re you know, and during the pandemic, they wouldn't allow me to go to a cardiac rehab. Right. So I was just uh, home, but I was glad at the time that I had it during that so that I could relax um, and get better. And then, um, with the time I've had off, I always study. So I always study self-help books and, you know, whatever I like on real estate and, you know, Dave Ramsey between Dave Ramsey and Grant Cardone and Robert Kiyosaki and everything else under the sun. And then I just, uh, I wrote my business plan out again while I was home and just implementing it right now. I'm just waiting, hopefully to get some money from a, a grant that we're trying to get to get my business. I also own a business that's called power performers. We book celebrities and entertainers and speakers and sports stars all over the world in colleges and corporations. So I have an office staff of like three people plus myself, there's four. And um, they're laid off right now. So we're just waiting uh, for the pandemic to open up all the venues so we can start all over again. Good. Are you taking care of your heart? Yeah, I've been working out six days a week. I work out at cardiac rehab. I graduated from cardiac rehab, but they have something called the superstar program or something like that, where you, you still go. Mm -hmm. I go three days a week there and two days at a personal trainer. And um, it seemed to help. Yeah. You sound surprised. I do. So. I'm surprised I had the heart attack. <laughs> you know? But yeah, no, I, uh, but other than that, that's, you know, I've been, God's blessed me in every way, you know, you know, it's funny when things, not funny, haha, but <laughs> when things happen to us, because that's my field, life, loss, and grief. And so when we have a trauma, a loss, a heart attack, another heart attack, you know, it certainly makes us sit up straight and say, okay, wait a minute, what are you trying to tell me here? You know, and sure. you go and you have the stents put in and you do the rehab, but it's also, I think, telling us, um, you're very successful and you do all these things, but are you keeping yourself grounded and calm and serene? Sure. It's sure. hard to balance right. with, and write the books and do this and do this and do this. Yeah. I, I don't think of having like good or bad days or this is hard or this is easy as much as it's all balance, you True. know, joy and sadness, hard, True. easy. It's all, you know, like that. Yeah, sure. How well are we balancing? You know, because sure. there's always going to be days this one's heavier or this one is, you know. Right. Um, but, well, I'm glad that, well, this will sound silly, but I'm glad that you had the heart attack, of course, that they could address it. Sure. Um, but also that it could make you sit up and say, okay, what else do I need to do to address to have a long, peaceful life? You know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Because that's a hard thing to do when, 
I'm guessing you might be a type A person. And <laughs> you think? <laughs> Just a wild guess. Though, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you are too. I can tell right now. Absolutely. I think all, all of us got people like this. We just like to strive for better. And I mean, every not everyone does that, but I just learned a long time ago by uh, you know having a dream, setting your goals, and you know, in the book Thinking Grow Rich. Have you ever read that book at all, or even heard of it? No, I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. The gentleman, uh, Napoleon Hill, goes out and studies all the successful people in the era. I think it was in the 20s. Mm -hmm. And um, what made them successful. Right. And he condenses it into a book. And it's a... Anyway, one of the things he says is success is the progressive realization of predetermined worthwhile goals. There you go. There you go. And also by doing it, everything honestly in that, you know, you can be successful by stealing. If you steal, you become rich. It's not successful to me. Where you can be successful by working hard and, and getting where you want to go by being ethical. So that's that's the road I take. <laughs> when I talk to parents uh, and talking about, say, death, because that's what I deal with, I talk about having a wagon full of, um, of building blocks and always say, always be honest and always be at the level that they're at, not give them more than they need, so that you have firm building blocks as they get older, build on it. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You can be successful and the building blocks could be hollow and right. not sturdy. And you might get it up to here, but then you're always worried, when are they gonna fall down? You know, <laughs> when is it gonna collapse? No, you're absolutely right. You know, it's funny. Um, I took exact opposite way. Um, I've always been involved, I've been in hospices for over 30 years before I retired from that. And so my uh, trajectory was helping people and then learning and then passing on the information that I've learned. Um, it's actually only now um, that I'm got that part covered and then some, but I'm going to add the successful part to it. You know, And mm-hmm. so for me, it's about sharing what I've learned all these years. Sure. Uh, and putting it out there, you know, like I was, I'm writing a book and uh, the person I'm writing it with said to me last year, oh, by the time you get this out there, you got to get this message out now. You know, it would be too long. Sure. But, oh, all right. Let me think about that. Hmm. What do I do well? Oh, I know. Talk. It's exactly the conversation. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I know. I'll do a podcast. Okay, I've never listened to a podcast to this day except my own. True, <laughs> and of course have fantastic uh, producer Beatrice and an editor Sophie. Um, I love to say that I have a producer. <laughs> but you know, and this has exploded. And just yesterday we launched number seventeen of the podcast. Yes, it's not even a year old yet. Wow. And I found out that this is amazing to me. I rank, I think it's 181 in Norway, Norway. And I don't know, was it like 18 Beatrice or something in South Africa? (laughs) That's awesome. I can't say these were targeted markets. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea how that happened. Honestly, I got zero idea how it happened. but it, it goes for me to confirm that if you're putting out there what you know to be true and it's goodness and you want to give to people, it will grow. It will blossom. 
Yes. All right. I had to get to be pretty damn old for it to happen, but that's okay. <laughs> that's where I am now, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, so it's a different trajectory than yours. And you come to the, the place right before you have your heart attack of doing all the successful work and really laying a foundation and putting yourself in a great place. And then the universe says, okay, all right, now the other piece that needs to be balanced, we're going to help you put that in there. And yeah. we're not going to give you any damn choice. <laughs> you know, what's amazing, Bernard, that is that I think about this quite a bit. You know, I was born Catholic, or I was raised Catholic. I was an altar boy. Um, and I used to be in this, this church by myself because I'd get there early as an altar boy. And I'd be there. The priest was living next door. So I'd get there and set everything up, put my robe on. I'd be in the church by myself just quiet. And it'd be like, God was talking to me or, you know, you know, and I'm like, so I was thinking to myself the other day, why did I have a heart attack? Why did the pandemic even happen? And you never know why, but this guy upstairs or whoever you, you believe in, there's a reason why. And it's, uh, you just have to look at the positive in it. Look at the silver lining in it, you know, and that's how I'm looking at it. I, I totally agree. I talk about the gifts of the dying, the gifts of the grieving, and now the gifts of the pandemic. Now, that's not to say there's not huge tragedies there and loss and trauma True. And, and really sorrowful things. But from all that, always comes good. Mm. Or, or we're forced, like with the heart attack, you, that situation forced or allowed you, you can pick your verb depending how you're feeling, <laughs> to come to say, why did I have that? You know, whenever I'm in a difficult situation, I I always say to myself these days, what am I supposed to learn here? Mm -hmm. And often the answer is patience. And my response is patience? I still have to learn <laughs> patience? Yes, apparently I do. <laughs> now, Bernadette, uh, your accent, are you from Long Island or where are you from? Oh, yes, absolutely. Long Island? Absolutely. Long Island, born and raised in Hicksville, lived in a number of different places, but the last place I was out of was Glenhead. Is that near Glen Cove at all? Or no? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, a little neighbor right over there. Absolutely. Seacliff, uh, Glenhead, Glencove, all right there. Yes. Yeah. Are you from that area? No, no, I'm not. I performed down, I perform all over the country at the colleges and stuff and, and corporations, but I performed over 5,000 co college shows in my life. And uh, I used to perform in Webb Institute, a little tiny nautical school in Glencove. Oh, sure. Web sure. And then, uh, but the funny thing was the guy who used to hire me down there, I forgot his name, it's been years, but he, uh, <clears throat> they used um, the Web Institute in the movie Batman as uh, the, the ward manor. So my buddy, he carved the pumpkin and, and put it out in the movie. So he was, <laughs> excuse me, Web Institute, because when they opened the gate, it's a big W on it. That's right. Ward manor. Right, and right. I always remember that, but. No, along at Hicksville, there's a, what college is right near in that area? Near Hicksville, there isn't, but near Glenhead um, is CW Post. Yeah, I performed there, yeah. Post family, a beautiful site, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah Long and, Island, yeah. Yeah, and up in, there, in that area, uh, actually Glen Cove and uh, neighboring towns is where they filmed the original, um, oh, no, I'm not going to, Sabrina movie oh yeah <laughs> cool that's just where it was um it wasn't at my house but it was <laughs> <laughs> in an area near there <laughs> so let me ask you having been through such an interesting life um as we look to the future what gives you hope first do you have hope for the future 
Oh yeah. I mean, I just told my wife yesterday that the, the future is so bright for us right now. You know, in my life, I've had tragedy. I have four children, one child that we lost when very young. Um, uh, you know, usually that, as you know, usually that tears, tear a family apart or bring them closer together. It brought us together even more. And, um, you know, so we've been through a lot of hard times, a lot of great times. We've been married 25 years and, um, and you're still talking to each other. That's that's an accomplishment. I'm married 30, so that's an accomplishment. I understand. Right, right, right. <laughs> that's great. But anyway, yeah, no, my, you know, I've been like, as far as my career, I can't, I could, re I could not even do it anymore. I'd be happy with what I've done in my life because, you know, I was on America's Got Talent, which I thought was the coolest thing. I, I did speed painting of Howard Stern. What is your name? My name is Robert Channing. I am a speed painter and I do a little twist at the end of my speed paint. Go for it. he has that in his house in Manhattan and I did one for that closed the show for Steve Harvey show he had me down in Orlando and asked me to come in and I painted him and uh, I got to go on the Today Show which is like my favorite show I was on there my Fox and Friends and all kinds of different people I met a really an interesting story is that I performed at the College of St. Rose in Albany quite a few times all my life and Arita McLaughlin, she's from Herkimer, New York, <clears throat> which is maybe 10 miles from where I'm from, where I grew up. Mm -hmm. She had me every year. So she said to me one year, I'm on my way down for the parents weekend to performance. She calls me up on the phone and says, Robert, <clears throat> when you come down here tonight, there's a young gentleman that's uh, in, in, in my activities organization. He works out of my office and he, he would love to have some of your advice. He's a comedian and he would love to have some of your advice on how to make it in show business. And I go, yeah, just tell him to come after my show because before i'm setting up right and uh, you are you know who i'm talking about no 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 but go ahead I, i'm picturing it as you're yeah saying. so i go down i set up <coughs> excuse me i do my show and after the show this young man comes up and says hi my name's jimmy fallon <laughs> and, and i would like to ask you a few questions and um so we got to know each other i gave him some advice he said to me here's here's our conversation he goes um, I have an audition for uh, Saturday Night Live. Uh, I have one more year of college left. Should I go and audition? If I make it, should I go beyond Saturday Night Live or should I stay in college, finish, and then go after? And I said, well, Jimmy, I said, college will always be here. Saturday Night Live is a one-in-a-lifetime opportunity. He goes, yeah, okay, okay. And he's always, he's always like talking like this. He's, he's just jumping around, right? So I just thought it was the greatest thing. And then years later, you know, he's so successful at what he does. And uh, a couple friends of mine, I've never been on the show. Um, you know, I, I tried to get on, but, you know, I just didn't make it on his show. But he does a, a, he does a, he does a list celebrities. And if you watch his show, he never has anybody that's not an A-list celebrity. <clears throat> Are you familiar with um, Adrian Brody at all? Have you ever heard of him? Oh, Is sure. It? Yeah, the actor. Yeah, Ad Adrian Brody. Yeah. Yeah, I just saw him yesterday. Hmm. I was up in Sylvan Beach. We stayed overnight. We usually rent our cottage out um, since the pandemic. We rented it out to make extra money. So last week, we or the last four days, we had it free. So we went up there and stayed overnight. And he has a castle 
up in Oneida Lake or in that area that he built. It took him six or seven years to do it for his ex-fiance, which he never got married. I can't remember her name. But anyway, we're down at this uh, little convenience store as we're going out of town, my wife and I, Brenda. And Brenda goes, oh, hey, look, at, there's Adrian Brody. And I go, oh, yeah, I've never met him, you know. But he, he started an HBO series called um, Houdini where he recreated Houdini's life. Right. And Adrian was a magician when he was younger. And he used to go to Long Island to uh, a, a summer camp called the, the Tannins, Tannins Magic Camp. So I always wanted to meet him. He's been up there for years. I've never ran into him. And uh, so I said to my, oh, there goes, he's walks in front of my car, right? It's a little small area. Like there's nobody around. So I go, Brent, I go, Brenda, hold on. I'm going to go just say hello to him. She goes, don't you go, don't you go, don't you. So she wouldn't let me get out of the car and go talk to him, right? <laughs> So his, his girlfriend walks out with this beautiful sequins dress on and she, Brenda, she goes, Oh, I like her dress. Cause she doesn't know that, that that girl was with Adrian. So as we walk out, we Google, we Google, um, Adrian's girlfriend and it happens to be, I can't remember her name right now, but she is Harvey Weinstein's ex-wife, believe it or not. Right. Oh, he's a big fashion designer. Uh, yeah. Starts Mark with a T. Uh, yeah. And she has a, a line, Marcella or something. Um, yes, I know exactly who you're talking about. And she's, she's uh, so anyway, uh, a, buddy, a couple of buddies of mine know him very well. And, right. uh, you know, you don't want to approach, you don't want to be approached, you know, they just, you know, they want to live. So my wife is right, don't bother. But if I ever run into him again, I'd love to chat with him because uh, of Houdini and magic. And I think him and I would hit it off. But I just thought it was a thrill for us to just run into him, you know. Because we watched the movie The Pianist. And, uh, That's right, right. He's well, been in a lot of good movies, yeah. yeah. But he lives right up the road from us. He lives like maybe two miles from us. And we're in the middle of nowhere. You know, when we launch the podcast, uh, maybe I can send him a little, so you can send him a little something to say he could watch it and he could see that he got good taglines here. If that's oh, what they cool. call it. Right? Who knows? Sure. Here, I'll give you one more thing before I go, just so I can uh, give you an example of what I do. Okay, this is sort of visual... Okay, Bernadette, I have a, a bicycle play, uh, pack of bicycle playing cards. Would you catch these for me? I'm going to throw them through the screen. Got Great it. Play. Got them? Good. Shuffle them up. Hold on. Shuffling. Okay. okay. Shake them out of the box first. Yeah, I guess that would make it easier, wouldn't it? All right. <laughs> All right. Now I'm shuffling. Yeah, I okay. thought it was such a good catch. I didn't realize they were in a box. <laughs> You're wonderful. You're wonderful. I love your personality. Would you just fan them out? Am I fanning them out that I see the numbers? Yep. Okay, yep, I got it. Now take one out. Mm-hmm. Okay, it. just look at it now. Just picture it in your mind what card it is. Mm-hmm. Got not it. The, not the Queen of Hearts. Okay, put that back. Very good. Good, good. Now take another one. Okay, let me get back at you. Okay. Okay, got it. Perfect. Now take that one and turn it upside down and put it back in the pack. So it's the only one upside down in the whole pack. Got it. Put the pack together. Put the pack back in the box. Put the box somewhere safe. Oh, I thought I was throwing it back to you. Okay, got it. <laughs> you can keep that as a souvenir. Because what I have right here is an identical pack of cards, right? Mine's visible, yours is invisible. For the first time, if our minds were working together, what was the card you turned upside down in your pack? Ace of spades. The ace of spades. Wouldn't that be a miracle if the one card I left upside down in my pack was the ace of spades. Look at this. Out of all the cards, can you see the one I left here? 
Yeah, we did all right together, right? <laughs> nice job, Bernadette. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm going to get credit for that? Well, gee, Robert, you can be a guest all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you did the trick and I get the credit. I'm <laughs> Wonderful. When I was a kid, I used to do stuff like this, you know. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. So just tell me quick, what gives you hope for the future? <laughs> you told me you have it and you told me why. Yeah, you know, what, what gives me hope is that I, uh, I feel good. I'm alive. And I know if I'm alive, I can accomplish my goals because I, I work hard. I write them down and the guy upstairs always helps me. So, and I have a supportive wife and family and and I just keep going no matter what. So when someone says I can't do anything, it makes me want to do it even more. There you go. Wonderful. And let me just say as a little personal note, in the beginning when you introduced yourself and your wife and your four children, and now knowing what you told me about that, I love so much that you introduced yourself as having four children. Thank you. Mitchell. Mitchell Avery Johnson. I have Gabrielle Johnson. She's my oldest daughter. She's 23 or 24, sorry. My son is 22, is, is Alexander Johnson, and then Garrett Johnson, he's a senior, just becoming a senior this year, he's 16, and Mitchell Avery Johnson, he's my angel, it's always here with me. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And of course, my wife, Brenda, she's my angel all the time. <laughs> she runs the show, come on. She does, you can tell, right? <laughs> I my husband said that God must be a woman because nobody else could multitask like that. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that one, that's funny. <laughs> well, I want to thank you so very much for being my guest. This has been fascinating. We could keep on talking, but that, that's not the kind of time we have today. But I can't wait to actually meet you in person. And maybe someday, if I become famous, you make a painting of me. That would be fun to have. I would love to do that for you. By the way, you're already famous. Well, well, yes, yes, inside of my own little head, but no, I mean, you're, <laughs> you're famous. I can tell right now you're a wonderful person. You know, I can tell just by your aura, way, way, you, way you carry yourself, you're wonderful. And just keep doing what you're doing because you're, you're going to, if you call success, uh, you're successful now, but if you're looking for the part where you want to be well-known throughout the country and the world, you'll be, you're going to make it there. You're already there. You're already throughout the world. But if you want to be on like TV, everybody says, oh, they're successful when they're on TV. If you ever wanted to do that, I think you're going to, I know you're going to be there. Thank you. To me, success is um, getting the knowledge that I have out to share with people mm. and so that they understand that or accept that uh, tears and giggles are part of everyday life and let's balance it and hold on to both. Well, you're a wonderful, wonderful lady. Thank you so much, Bernadette. Absolutely. It's been a complete pleasure. Well, thank you for being on the podcast from heartache to healing and hope. Thank you, Robert. Thank you.